0: Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely.
1: This is NBA Today, hosted by Malika Andrews, live from Los
2: Angeles.
3: Coming up on NBA Today, how the Warriors put their foot on the gas and absolutely blew out the Celtics in Game 2. And surprise, surprise, Laker Nation, we've got new head coach Darvin Ham joining us for an interview that's just a few minutes away. Plus, Quinn Snyder stepping down in Utah. Donovan Mitchell reportedly feeling, quote, unnerved. will explain what that means. NBA Today starts right now. Welcome to NBA Today, I'm Malika Andrews, joined by my friend Patrick Beverly in studio. Vince Carter, Tim Legler, Adrian Wojnarowski, they're going to be by in just a little bit. Pat, where should we start today?
2: Uh, You tell me. I don't know. I'm on the show show. I'm I'm rocking with you.
3: See? This is why I love him. We're going to start in the third quarter where the Warriors (laughs) took control last night because the Warriors, the third quarter, it is their quarter. You can see Steph. Clay, let's pick it up here because Clay Thompson had been struggling up until this point. Not anymore. Look at his hands there. You can see how excited he was to see one go through. So the Warriors, they're up by five at this point. Steph creates a little space around Al Horford, dancing, mm-hmm. sinking. So the Warriors on a little run at this point. Once again, Clay Thompson see. sees some space.
2: Bucket.
3: Bucket is right. The Warriors, once again, they're starting to pull away here. 5-0 run, Golden State checked out, making an 8-0 run. Steph Curry buries one from deep. Once again, Steph. At this point, I mean, you have to laugh, Pat. Oh, man, this man crazy. 11-0 run by the Warriors. And then Jordan Poole oh, doing his best Steph Curry impersonation. He said, hey, anything you can do, I can do too. I'm going to pull up. Welcome to the pool party. You cook, I cook. And then, just for good measure.
2: Oh, and out, cross between.
3: And then he said, my teammates are always looking for me in these moments because I can do that. I can sink that shot. I want to take it at the horn. I am that dude. He's giving a little eyebrow. Look how far away this was. Mm-mm. 30. Nine feet from the hoop and he's doing it like it ain't no problem the Warriors they go on to win 107 88 the Warriors they've always been a third quarter team that's been especially true in the finals in game two they outscored the Celtics by 21 in the third that's their best scoring differential in any quarter in franchise finals history so for the series they're plus 35 in the third and for more on the third quarter here's Steph Curry
1: We said we needed to play with desperation. That's what we did. Our third quarter was great, and we got enough
4: separation that the fourth quarter is a little bit easier tonight. Can't get in the rat race with those guys. That's what they want, up and down, just
2: open gym. We know the Warriors is a third quarter team. We talked about it. They still came out and, and was able to, to go on a run. We just got to be able to answer, and we we didn't tonight.
4: I mean, we just like coming out in that third quarter. I think we know how important it is to deliver the first punch, try to be aggressive, physically decisive.
5: I mean, I, I felt like it was coming the entire game. I thought we were playing really good basketball, and we just didn't pull away. But if you stay the course, you continue to play that basketball, it'll eventually go your way. And so thought we did a good job of that, and, you know, we, we feed
3: off of it. Vince Vince Carter joining us now. And you've both been on the receiving end of some of those great Warriors third quarters. But I do want to focus in on last night. How was Golden State able to have so much success in this third quarter, Pat?
2: Um, I I think it's more than basketball, I'm going to be honest. Uh, They've been doing it for so long, over uh, so many years. I don't know if it's training staff. I don't know if it's uh, uh, coaching, mental preparation, whatever it is. They come out third quarter, they explode, everyone in the league, we we all in the locker room, hey man, y'all watch out, y'all know historically they're the best third quarter team to ever do it, so I, I, I think it's more than just basketball, I think you have to get their training staff a lot of credit, getting their bodies ready, and their coaches getting their uh, mental preparation ready. Vince? I
3: think
1: it's mental preparation as well, and, and, and Pat hit it on the head in my opinion that it, it, it they They understand if we hit first, we can finish the game. It's not like we hit first in the first quarter and then, oh, they're going to make an adjustment in in the second half. No, this is the second half. We're going to hit first and take them out of what they want to do. We've made our adjustments. Let's go. Let's finish the game. And they have veterans. They have a veteran coach. They have a veteran players that you can just speak that into existence and they know what that means and they execute it in the third quarter.
3: Well, not having been on the receiving end of those corners, but watching them for many years, it seems almost like there's a pacing sense to it, right? They have this internal rhythm that they know when they come out of the locker room, that's sort of the separation time. As long as the Warriors are plodding along, right? And even if they're down two, down three, obviously we saw in game one, it didn't quite come to fruition, but they still had a monster third quarter. Pat, I know you haven't been on the show very much, but We do a little something called it's over. Run that open that I love so much, please.
1: The bounce, he's gonna catch it, put it between his legs, and dump it. Oh, it's It's over! over. It's
5: over. That's how you did it, right? Like this. It's over. Oh my goodness, it is over!
3: So just to remind everyone at home, this is a segment where Vince Carter tells us when in the game it was over in his mind. So when was game? Yeah, see, you got it. got it. When was game two over, Vince?
1: Yeah. Oh, come on now. Malika, you know, it's third quarter. Like, we just talked about it. Third quarter with the Curry flurry. Curry set the tone with the flurry of threes. And after that, it was over. Let's <laughs> run the tape. You see here, what they did, high pick and rolls. And they have Draymond set a screen on you set a screen on you. Wait a minute. We got more screens because Gary Payton is coming up the screen. And guess what? It's cold. It's snowing in here because the flurry starts here. Look at the separation because of everybody committing to setting the great screen. Grant Williams is out of the plate. Can't do anything about it. This when Curry gets going. Now, here it is again. High pick and roll. Up to half court. And you know what that does. The big it has a decision to make. Either you're going to run up or you're going to sit back because you don't want to get beat by Steph Curry with his ability to lay it up curry flurry let me back it up now let me take it on forward and keep it moving keep it moving wait a minute jordan poole says i want a little bit of this action too 33 seconds left there's the high screen again you see he has the big sitting on that island Mmm, cancun style i
3: see what you Step did Step back
1: three Bu get you know what i'm saying so that's yeah he just he that's what it's all about the curry flurry is contagious and everybody gets into the rhythm and, and gets into that action. Once you see Steph rolling like that, you want a little bit of that action too. And guess what, guys, it, it's over.
3: It's over. I love it. You got the little curry shimmy, you have the curry flurry. Do you see it that way, Pat? That's when it was over, is when Steph started to get his rhythm?
2: No, I seen it in uh, the, uh, the post-game interview after game one. Hmm. kind of seen it in the eyes. You know, Draymond was kind of angry. Um, you know, you talked. You seen Steve Kerr. His, uh, you know, the vocals on him was kind of scratch. You know, he let, let let players have it after that game. So <laughs> I say, uh, I say, after that game, right. when they start preparing mentally, preparing for game two, that's when I, I kind of knew. Okay, yeah, they about to come out. It ain't gonna be close.
3: Yeah. Well, the 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 Warriors, they've never trailed in a series at this point in the season. 2-0 in yeah. the uh, Steve Kerr era. So you could tell that they didn't want to make this the first. So that's impressive. Draymond, hmm. He had a very Draymond game last night and you all know this better than anyone that sometimes the impact on winning it doesn't always show up in the box scores. But first I want to look at the box score. I want to look at his stat line and have you guys break down what you don't see so you can see right there. Nine points, five rebounds, two of three from the field. And Draymond's box score from game two, it wasn't anything special, right? It's not like anything stood out. He was making these huge shots that were felt far right. beyond. But his impact, right? It right was now. felt far beyond this. So, so Vince, what did you see here?
1: Draymond's energy, and, and Pat Bev mentioned everybody after the game talked about know that was there when their preparation started. You can hear it in his voice. You can see it in Clay Thompson's voice. Here's how he set the tone. We saw game one right here when when uh, Hor- uh, Horford would get the ball on the swing. He had. The, the pick of the litter, whatever he wanted, now he's into the ball. We get a tie ball in 10 15 seconds into, 10 to 15 seconds into the game. That is setting the tone. Now, it's not going to be like that today. And it's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to be about it. And he showed his guys, I'm ready to go. Are you? Here, by any means, to get his guy, Steph Curry, a shot. I'm going to hold you. I'm going to screen you. I'm going to push you out the way. I'm going to do whatever to get my guy shot and get him rolling because he understands how important Steph Curry is. Here it is again. Grant. you're going to push me. I'm going to push you. I'm going to screen you. Then I'm going to go to screen you, White. Oh, then I'm going to go screen you, Horford. Guess what? Wide open shot. Because he needs to get his guy going. Now, he said, I'm going to do whatever it needs to take. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to push you. I'm going to say whatever. And I'm going to let you know we're here. And that's what he does. He sets the tone on the floor Mm. and off the floor. And like like Pat Beth said, it was set before the game started of game two. And that just put them in the mentality of when the game starts, this is what we're going to do. So
3: here's the thing. Obviously, I mean, you can look at me. I've never played in the NBA. Oh, you
2: haven't? uh, You can not do arms. I
1: could, yeah, see, I could.
3: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But but here's the thing, I've never played in the NBA, but when I was watching the game last night and then when I was listening to everything post-game, I understand as someone who grew up in the Bay Area watching Draymond Green over the years, I believe that his energy is so contagious for Golden State. I do understand that that is something that can lift and push this team. But to me, and we'll get into the reasons and the things that I saw from Golden State later, it wasn't necessarily at the top of the list or when it comes to why the Warriors were able to create that separation. Where do you rank Draymond and his impact and importance of this game, Pat?
2: Um, I think Draymond was a classic Draymond. Right. Uh, but w- w- what he did Game 2 and he didn't do Game 1, uh, he, he, played, he, he played with emotion but wasn't emotional. You know, it's it's, it's a difference. In game two, you kind of seen him, you know, maybe chirping a little bit. First play of the game, he gets the jump ball. He doesn't say a word. Okay, cool. I'm supposed to do this. Let me calm down. I'm calm. My team is calm. I think when you get that version of Draymond, the uh, playing with emotion but not emotional. And trust me, I'm one of those guys, too, who plays with a ton of emotion. But finding finding that, that, you know, that. That balance of, 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 of helping your team and not hurting your team, I think he came out with a great attitude, and I think that's propelled him into, uh, you know, into a, to, to a good game.
3: Okay, you mentioned the chirping. Vince, I, I want to focus in on the second quarter, the dust-up with Jalen Brown. No technical foul called. Draymond stays in the game. Did you agree with that ref decision?
1: Well, Malika, Pat, this, goes, this could go either way. It just de- depends on how you look at it. Uh, do you look at it as great officiating, understanding? Yeah, I, I don't think it went any further. Yes, it was pushed and sub, but you didn't see anything after that. Separation, yeah. nothing excelled and, con- and, and continued to more pushing, more shoving. It was like, all right, don't do that. All right, boy, get out the way. All right, wait, wait, what are we going to do? Nah, nah, let's chill. And it was over with. I can see if it continued where there was more pushing, you're trying to get into his face, or other Mm. pushing and shoving started, then you have to give that technical, then Draymond is out.
3: But, I I, I mean, I'll I'll tell you, Pat, go ahead, and then I'll tell you what I say. It's 50-50. You look at it
1: both ways, so go ahead. No, go ahead. That's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, go ahead, Okay.
2: (laughs) No, I I think that, uh, you know, when you're in this stage of the game, obviously, the NBA championship, you need your best product on the floor. And um, obviously, one of the best products for Boston is Jalen Brown on the other side is It's Draymond Green. I mean, if this is regular season, yes. Uh, you know, maybe some guys get ca- kicked out, but you know, as viewers, as fans of the game, you don't want to see anybody kicked out for whatever reason. Uh referees have a hard job as it is already. Credit the referees, they did the great thing. This is me actually talking because I'm still in the NBA event, so I really can't.
3: <laughs> <laughs> here, here, here's the thing. I, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna push you. You, you. you keep your money.
1: <laughs> understood. Um, I hear I you loud and clear. Right. I would
3: have made the same call that Zach Zarba did, I think, just because again, I could I, I understood the argument for or double text, right? But when one player already has a technical foul and you know that it's going to it result in an ejection for one player and not the other, I saw Jalen Brown say that he thought that potentially maybe Draymond was trying to pull his pants down in that video. You could see a little grab there. No, I don't know. The yeah, okay. intent. Wait, wait. I mean, that's, more, that's no. what Jalen said. I don't okay. know what the intent was, <laughs> okay. but I think it was the correct call. He said that? Yeah, he said that he thought that that potentially there was a little, a little pants pole going on there. Um,
2: Very strategic.
3: But maybe he was just trying to get up and needed a, a handle to do so. I don't really know. But if Absolutely. I was Zach Zarba, I think I would have made in that building with the stakes that it, the, 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 there were. Looking at the fact that one tech, one foul, one player. geez, one tech foul player. One player already had a technical foul. I, I can't All fault above. him for making that call. It was a it was a coin flip. Shout
2: out to the referees. Some of the best referees to ever. Ref. <laughs> See? Any, any sports game in history shout out to Zach
3: I like Zach all right still to come though on NBA today he's a two-way player people <laughs> does Pat Bev agree that Steph's defense has become elite Hmm, we're gonna get into that and uh, speaking of guards out West Adrian Wojnarowski reported Donovan Mitchell is quote unnerved with Utah's fluid situation we'll explain and dive more into that and you can't talk about the West without talking about those Lakers. So we'll speak with new head coach Darvin Ham shortly. Do not miss that. NBA Today rolls on.
0: Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Yeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely.
1: NBA Today is brought to you by Hennessy, the spirit of the NBA. Please drink responsibly.
3: Welcome back to NBA today, so it's time for today's style. Watch brought to you by Hennessy. So last night the players they paid some homage. Look, Robert Williams, Kanye West on his shirt there, and then Jason Tatum with Kobe and MJ. Klay Thompson, what did he have? Let's take a look. Oh, all right. Buns bone thugs and harmony and then I. Oh, Jordan Poole. Upside down with Stranger Things. I see you. Welcome back into our LA studio. So. These are a few of my favorite things. Well, at least some things that stood out to me from last night's game. So number one, I want to talk about Steph Curry, but not for the reason that you might think. Everyone wants to talk about his offense through the first two games and rightfully so. But his defense, that's what stood out to me. Shout out researcher Schwartz for this because Steph leads all players in scoring this series, but when he is the primary defender this series, the Celtics are five for 18. So let's get more specific with these numbers. Two of eight when Mar- for Marcus Smart. Jalen Brown, one of four. Tatum, one of three. And Derek White, one of three. That is the second lowest field goal percentage allowed. And watching the game, it kind of reminded me of one of my favorite press conference moments from this season. So let's take a look and a listen to Steph on May 16th.
1: Being the two-way player that you are, you know, on both ends.
2: when you <laughs> when you when you're looking at that? film, <laughs> when you looking at per, film, I, hey Raven, you got good put that
6: good up. job. Thanks for you worded that. That's not exactly what I emailed you, but close.
3: <laughs> yes, keep going. He hit him with a yes, I am. Keep going. All right, who better to talk about defense than three-time All Defensive Team member Pat Bev? So Pat. I should have been
2: used? four. They cheated me this year. All
3: right, it should have okay. been four voters. Oh, take right. note. Now that we've we've got that out of the okay, way. Okay, my bad. No, you're good. Okay. Yeah. How have you seen him become a better defender, or have you over the years?
2: Uh, two-way player? No. <laughs> a cone? He's not a cone, though. Okay. He's for sure not a cone. Yeah. I think that uh, his. I don't know if it's him who challenged himself. I don't know if it's just uh, the, the coaching staff, Steve uh, Kerr or his teammates Draymond, but it was a, a light switch where he just, you know, its all, defense is all about will anywhere. Anyway, when and he just switched, uh, flipped the switch, he's been, uh, he's been giving it, he's been real handy, he's been sliding them left and right, and um, I'm impressed, but this has been going on for the last four or five years, he's, he's improved defensively the last four or five years, so give him credit, get a, give his training staff credit, give him credit, uh, whatever it is, because uh, it's, it's helping.
3: Oh, and that's from a three-time defensive, yeah. uh, all-team defensive yeah. player, should four, four. should we'll go with four for okay. you. All right, the second thing, Pat, yeah. that jumped out to me, please never ma'am me again Kavon
2: Looney thank
5: you his
3: impact was felt from the beginning of the game I legit jumped off of my couch when I saw that he'd recorded three steals in the first quarter he had five steals the entire postseason leading up to that that was his first multi-steal game ever not to mention the Celtics they were zero and six when he was the primary defender last night his plus minus it's not really my favorite metric, but it was tied to Steph and Otto Porter Jr. for the best of any player in the game. So, how much of a difference maker to you was Looney? Because to me, he was up there.
2: Yeah, I think he's. I think he's one of the main catalysts. I mean, I think when you speak about consistency from players uh, this entire playoffs, I, I'm, I'm, I Looney is definitely top three for sure. Uh, if you th- th- if you talk about the best centers uh, this round, you talk about the best centers last round. He's been winning this matchup. Mm-hmm. I mean uh, last round he, he guarded Luca. Uh, I think he ended the game with like 22 rebounds some crazy yes. like that last night. He he went six for six. He didn't he didn't miss a shot I mean he's been playing his butt off and he's been doing it for years years years, you know since he's been with the team So credit to Looney credit to Gary Payton uh, broke his arm came back I don't know anyone who works in America who breaks their arm and come back to work willing to work four weeks later So credit to him credit to wig. I honestly thought if it wasn't for Steph wig should have we definitely should have got the MVP of last round. He played both ends of the of, of, of the field for them. So, uh, man, those three, those three, the others, I like how they how they've been playing, and they're a big key to success.
3: It sounds like we need a list of Pat Bev's things, but since these are my things, I'm gonna stick with Looney. And okay. just I heard I heard he agreed with me. All right, my third thing, Pat. <laughs> let's take a look at the Celtics starting five last night. Six points combined from Robert Williams, Al Horford and Marcus Mart. I applaud Robert Williams for being out on the floor. He looked a little hobbled. I know this knee discomfort is something he's going to be fighting through the entire postseason. But it's not just him. The moral of the story for my third thing is help wanted for Boston. It can't just be the Jays and a side of Derek White. Vince, I need some help here. If the Celtics are to win this series, who can be a reliable third option?
1: i think derek white has been playing very good basketball and i think he can help the celtics and, and and as well as al horford i mean you can get something from him i mean after having a big night i knew the response defensively for the golden state Warriors was to right. cut his water off and you know draymond draymond said one thing that that kind of you know if you look at that that that, that see, that you said he said he talked about the three-point shooters and the names that he named okay Remember the names that he named, and then look at the list again, yep. the people that you talked about, Marcus Smart, Al Horford. So you best believe they were on the radar with cutting their water off. Yeah, uh, uh, Tatum's going to get his. Yeah, Jalen Brown's going to get hit. But you can't allow those two guys to have uh, a great nights or okay night, and then the other guys, those three guys to have big nights, and they shut that down and that, would, that gave them a chance to win the game.
3: Well, if memory serves, 11 for 15, Derek White and Al Horford in game one, and so, from three, and so it's one of those things where, yeah, you didn't necessarily expect that to continue. Derek White has been excellent. He has those dad superpowers. He's been playing incredibly well since the birth of his child earlier in these playoffs, but, you know, when, when, when uh, Jalen Brown is taking 17 shots, 17 points is, is good. It's fine, but you're going to need a little bit more from him. Jason Tatum has just been exceptional, a little more from Derek White, and and if you can get one or the other going, Al Horford or Marcus Smart, to me that could spell a little bit of trouble for Golden State. Still to come, though, on NBA Today, we're going to go one on one with Lakers new head coach Darvin Ham. That is just minutes away. I cannot wait to chat with him. And one head coach in, another head coach out. We've got the latest on Quinn Snyder stepping down and how Donovan Mitchell, not too pleased. plus Two straight games that Boston has gotten beat down in the third quarter. So we'll dive into how the C's can fix that big issue. NBA Today continues after this.
4: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition.
3: It's official, the Lakers. They've announced the hiring of Darvin Ham as their new head coach with general manager Rob Pelinka praising the Bucks assistant as quote. No nonsense and hard-working approach. Sources tell our Adrian Wojnarowski that Ham agreed to a four-year contract. You can see he's having an introductory press conference as we speak. The Lakers' new head coach, he played eight NBA seasons, winning a title with the Pistons in 2004. He was an assistant coach with the Lakers between 2011 and 13. He spent the last nine seasons on Mike Budenholzer's staff in both Atlanta and Milwaukee, winning another championship last season with the Milwaukee Bucks. All right, so bringing in Pat Bev and Vince Carter again. Gentlemen, when we're talking about the list of priorities for Darvin Ham and the Lakers this offseason, Pat, I'm going to start with you here. What should be at the top of the list?
2: Who are we as a team? Hmm. What's our identity? Uh, Are we a fast team? Are we going to post the ball up? Are we going to shoot a ton of threes? I think once you identify what your identity is, I think you can kind of maneuver around that, but the Lakers just have to, you know, they just have to find out who, who they are. I mean, I don't know. I don't think you know, but we know who the Memphis Grizzlies are. We know yeah. who the Phoenix Suns are. Like, we know who uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves are. Yeah, That's premature, but that, that's honest. We just don't know who the Lakers are right now. And once, once we find that identity, I think everyone kind of set in their roles from there.
3: Vince?
2: I agree with
1: that, but here's another question. Who is Darvin Ham? What is his coaching style? And when we figure that out, what fits with how he coaches. So I've been a believer of this for, for many, many years. When when you bring in a coach and he has a particular style, put players on his team that fits and matches his style. And I think that is important as they move on, because if not, you're not helping, you're not helping the coach succeed, in my opinion. So I, I think moving forward, it's like, like like Pat Bev, who are we and does that match and fit with what uh, Darvin Ham's style of coaching is? Like you had uh, the, the last coach in there, uh, um, Frank he's mobile right now and he's a defensive coach right. you, he's a defensive coach well get him some defensive players in there as well because he's a defensive coach don't just give him all offense you know and then say oh how come he can't fix this problem so right. I, I just feel like first and foremost you have to figure out those things and then you can move forward and then because it's easy to match Mix, mix, and match, and go find the pieces that you need to have success from there.
3: Well, obviously, Darbenham, first-time head coach with the Lakers now. But Pat, you played against this Lakers team this past year, and they don't have a lot of room here to make huge roster maneuvers. So, how did you see them last year? Do you? Is there anything that you think can translate or that you'd like to see this year?
2: Uh, obviously, health was a big, you know, big, you know, big knock on their team, and that's something you can't control. So, you know, Anthony Davis sometimes not being out there, I, you know, LeBron missed some time, mm. uh, but, you know, uh, I, I just didn't know who they were. I just, you know, when I game plan for the team, I didn't know if I had to close out hard at the three-point line, Do i have to get back and transition. You know, I really didn't know. So, you know, I just go to basics, you know, and close out short on everybody and right. rebound the ball and give ourselves a chance to win. So, uh, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think they were a yeah, force this year, that. but uh, I think they, uh, you know, they have a lot of room for improvement. I don't know where that goes. I don't know how that starts, you know. I obviously they the ops. I mean not the ops but competition. <laughs> that's Chicago, I'm sorry. But uh but uh they on the other side right now. So uh I don't wanna I don't wanna help nobody out. Yeah, see
3: yes, that's fair. Yeah, <laughs> see, that's fair. But, Go ahead, Vince. Malika, uh,
1: sorry, I I'll say this. Uh, I, I think, you know, I, I think we'll see some type of uh translation from the Bucks staff being under Hosen for so long. I think we're gonna see some version of that offense. Uh, you know, obviously playing through LeBron, that mean a uh, lot of threes and, and, and just the a NBC. lot of movement and shooting, 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 and, and well. that's what I was gonna say next, shooting threes. But it goes, but it goes back to what we wait, said. Well, now, what do you say? Yeah, that, that, that roster. Yeah.
3: Well, and that begs the question, though, right? What what the Bucks did is essentially put a whole bunch of three-point shooting around Giannis Attentacumpo, spread the floor, create that space. So does that mean that you foresee? I know Anthony Davis has said he prefers to play the four Vince, but would you put him at the five to create a little bit more shooting there?
1: I think you use that as an option. I, I know where he what he wants to do and where he would like to, but he also wants to win. and We've heard him say he wants to win a championship. Well, sometimes putting Anthony Davis at the five, playing faster, opening the floor up, helps them win. You just imagine putting him at the five with LeBron at the four and whoever else is on your roster from mm. there. You can win a lot of basketball games like that. Traditionally, you can start the game off playing the four. But if it helps them win at the five position, well, Anthony Davis could, should sacrifice and do so because I think he's going to see a lot of, single coverages if you put shooters around him while he's playing the five as well
3: I was at Anthony Davis's uh, exit interview after the last game of the season this year for the Los Angeles Lakers and he was talking about how he's willing and wants to do anything to help this team win obviously health played a huge factor in it but that is something that I would not be surprised if there's a little bit of role shuffle there especially to create more space for LeBron and frankly for Russell Westbrook to offer.
2: yeah I don't I don't but honestly you know he's supposed to give you those answers about you know I don't, I haven't met a player that tells you, you know, I'm not, I would do anything to win games. Man, you put Anthony Davis at the five, he ain't gonna last the whole season. That's just the honest truth. He can't take that beating all year, not from the five. Right. You understand what I'm saying? And, and you take their team, you got to get rid of all them dudes.
3: Can't, ain't nobody on their team. Shoot. Well, looking ahead to the Lakers offseason, they're going to have about $145 million owed to players if Russell Westbrook and Kendrick Nunn pick up their player option. So Russ, his player option, it comes in at $47.1
2: Pick it million. up. He ain't wrong.
3: <laughs> and remember, the earliest first-rounder the Lakers can trade is the 2027 pick. So a, a 12-year-old. Yeah, so it's welcome. (laughs) All right, coming up on NBA Today, the man himself, Darvin Ham. He is going to be joining us live in a matter of minutes. Do not go anywhere. We'll hear from him shortly.
7: Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com.
3: I said it before, I'll say it again. It's official. The Lakers, they have hired Darvin Ham as their new head coach. General Manager Rob Palenka praised the former Bucks assistant as a no-nonsense and having a hard Working approach and sources told our Adrian Wojnarowski that Ham agreed to a four year contract. We are going to have Darvin Ham joining us on the show in just a minute, but I will take Tim Legler. Thank you so much for spending some time with us here on NBA today. I just asked both Pat Bev and Vince Carter about what Darvin Ham's priority list should be this offseason. What would you put at the top there?
4: Well, I think for him, it's it's establishing culture of the identity of how you want to play on both ends of the floor. I yep. think that's that's the first thing you want to do as a head coach. Sound like that um, Bev? I think you know. Listen, their roster is going to be uh, have an incredible amount of turnover after the third best player. So. I think they've got, that's on the front office, Malika, they've got to go out they've got to find some guys that want to defend, they've got to find some younger legs, they've got to find some guys that can run up and down the floor, they've got to get shooting. You know you're tied into the top three players and a lot of that's going to depend on their health, which may be a reach at this stage of their careers and what they've been through recently. But I think he's got a lot of things he's got to try to reestablish because right now you're talking about a, a team that basically is coming out of a season that can only be described as a complete failure. So, Darvin Ham has got a lot of respect in this league. He's got great communication skills. Hopefully, everybody in that locker room is going to buy into what he wants the identity for this team to be.
3: Absolutely, Tim. Thank you so much. And we are now joined by the new Lakers head coach, Darvin Ham, looking sharp in Lakers yellow. Darvin, <laughs> thank you so much for spending some time with us on NBA today.
5: Thanks, Maliga. Thanks for having me. Of I appreciate course, this.
3: Of course. Let, let's just start here, Darvin. LeBron James was very public in the endorsement of your hiring. How would you describe your relationship and what has the communication been like with him since you got the job?
5: Oh wow, you know, just knowing him when he first came in the league and being able to play against him his first couple of years, you know, just the admiration and the respect I have for him, not only with what he, what he does on the court, but what he was able to do off the court and just the magnitude of his impact with our youth and our culture. But, you know, his, his communication with me has been great, phenomenal. And to see him so excited, um, it really sent chills through me, man. It was like it was it was a great, great moment. Um, I want to help him. I want to help him maintain that level he's playing at at this stage of his career. Um, We're gonna do everything in our power for him, Ad, Russ, to all be healthy and to all be defensive-minded and reset that standard, that championship defensive standard. And uh, it's been great, man. Just talking to him and exchanging ideas and sending him what you know, little remnants of what our system is gonna look like Mm. going forward this season. It's been awesome.
3: What was his sentiment? It's been great with all of them. When he first reached out
5: just excited Mm. excited for me Um, his energy through the phone um, was was unbelievable Uh, we laughed we got serious we uh just went back and forth we were like-minded you know we're we're both midwest kids akron ohio is not too different from saginaw michigan i just tell you that right now (laughs) yeah but uh it is we have that bond that common midwest kid bond and uh the type of player he is, he wants to uplift everyone around him. It's not a me, me, me thing with him. It's it's us, it's we, it's ours. And uh, we have to go about our business in that manner and, again, reestablish that championship standard. Mm. Starting on the defensive end
3: Darv you and I both know that Giannis is an iron man Which is a little different from the injuries that have plagued this Lakers team But what did you learn about coaching Giannis and from coaching Giannis? that You can apply to a superstar driven roster like the Lakers
5: Just just the care the care factor of our performance team Uh, Just this the meticulous way they went about making sure his body uh, Was in in high-level condition um, just off days or recovery days, the way he would recover after games, different uh, methods they use just to keep him hitting on all cylinders. Um, that's something that you know I learned with that championship organization in the mm-hmm. Milwaukee Bucks. That you know you have to be on the same page with everybody. We all have to collaborate. We can't look at you know this being your department, this is my department, that's th- that department. No, we all have to come together. We all have to figure out a plan. And a way to move forward and, and, and protect our players health and to make sure they're, they're performing at a high level by being smart and efficient with how we use them and utilize them and workouts on the floor and shoot arounds and practices and what have you. So just being smart. And, and he's he's the biggest beneficiary of that beneficiary of that because you see how his level is maintained throughout these years.
3: Absolutely. I, I know from seeing it firsthand that Giannis is meticulous in that. Darvin, what role do you see Russell Westbrook playing next season?
5: I want Russell, you know, we, we, we talked in our conversations, and the, the, the biggest word we used was sacrifice. Mm. I want him to go back to being a pit bull on the defensive end and everything else is going to flow from there. We're going to implement some different running habits that I think is going to benefit him and some different areas on the floor he'll be able to to attack from. But I want him to set a tone defensively for our team. Just, Just get back guarding, guarding, guarding. And again, that goes in line with the previous question, you know, when you were asking about Giannis and just the whole physicality of the game and being able to sustain and be durable. Um, we'll partner again with, with, with our performance team to make sure Russell can compete at that extremely high level defensively. I want him to get back to Garden at a championship level.
3: Darvin, you're now the 15th black coach currently in the NBA. And when you came into the league as a rookie in 1996, there were only six black coaches in the league. That number has gone up and down since. What does this shift represent to you?
5: I mean, I think it represents change. I think it, it represents equal opportunity, um, even even though someone may not look like you, may have come from a different background, that doesn't mean that they're not qualified. Um, you mentioned me when I first came in the league, uh, and I had the opportunity to coach with a legendary African-American head coach Bernie mm. and Bernie Bickerstaff. And if it weren't for him, I would not have had an opportunity to catch hold in the NBA. He, he trusted me. He uh, showed me love as an undrafted rookie free agent straight out of Texas Tech. And uh, just being around him to see the way he carried himself. He, to me, is a template that all of us young uh, African-American coaches look to and look at and can call to this day. He and I exchange text messages and talk on the phone. But he's a template for all of us because he was such a great trailblazer in that role.
3: Darvin, before I let you go, we, we've been chatting on set here about you in this role. In your own words, how would you describe head coach Darvin Ham and your approach?
5: Competitiveness, togetherness and accountability. Mm. That's going to be our mantra. Competitiveness, togetherness and accountability. That toughness everyone has been throwing around attached to my name. Well, that just, that's just being competitive. You know being competitive you have to be tough minded you have to be tough physically Togetherness it's a team sport. We can't have each other be out on an island You know a, a, a spread hand is weaker than a closed fist, but when your fist is closed That means those five digits are together mm. and accountability when we set this standard we watch film I have to be able to get on LeBron get on russ get on ad just like when i'm ready to get on austin uh, austin reeves and yeah and Stanley Johnson's and the like. So it's that accountability top to bottom, even as coaches, holding myself accountable. You know, if it's an ATO or go to the wrong ATO, whatever the case may be. But that competitiveness, that togetherness, and that accountability, I think, you look at any championship organization, irregardless of the sport, you're going to find those three ingredients.
3: Darvin, I I can say that it was an absolute pleasure to cover you in Milwaukee. It's going to be a pleasure to cover you in Los Angeles. Welcome and congratulations.
5: You got me to come back to L.A. (laughs) Thanks
3: Thanks for joining us on NBA Today, Darvin. (laughs) All right, still to come on NBA Today, Quinn Snyder stepping down as the Jazz head coach and Donovan Mitchell reportedly none too pleased. So we're going to explain that. Hang tight, NBA Today. We'll be right back.
2: It's the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors in game two of the NBA Finals. All of this power came from the pain.
1: I put in twice the work, but I never complained. Hurry in his bag. Got it. The Warriors starting to put together one of those prolific third quarters. Hurry! Cooking! Launches! Oh, the Warriors have responded. They have out, outworked the Boston Celtics. 18. 18.
3: Golden State, they evened things up last night with a convincing win over the Celtics. Steph had 29 to legs. It's your first time to talk about last night's game on this show. What impressed you the most?
4: Well, I think, Malika, a lot's going to be made about Golden State's defense and the dramatic change that Boston had offensively. But for me, I'm looking at the impact Steph Curry's had through two games. And, in fact, he's been this good against this defense despite the fact that Clay Thompson and Jordan Poole really haven't hit full throttle yet. And take a look at the number of ways that Steph Curry impacted game two because it's not just when he has the ball. Here's a perfect example of typical Golden State offense coming on a dribble handoff. This is Steph Curry's presence. You take a look at two defenders jumping out. Draymond Green reads it perfectly, turns the corner, gets a layup. That's all created by the pressure Steph Curry puts on you. I love this one. He's eyed up in a one-on-one situation. Take a look at all the eyes on the weak side. Everybody locked in on Steph Curry. It's a great read by Andrew Wiggins. Sneaks along the baseline. Tremendous vision by Steph Curry. Beat you as a passer. And then this one we talked about earlier, but here's the mistake Boston makes right off the bat. Look at the distance Al Horford does not cover at the beginning of this screen. So as a result, he ends up getting screened by Draymond Green, who was really the initial screener on this. And Steph Curry steps into a very difficult three-point shot with Grant Williams contesting from behind. So if I'm Golden State right now, I am very happy by the fact that Steph Curry has been the best player in this series, knowing that there's still a lot more to come from some other guys on their roster. I think overall he has kept them alive as they go back to Boston. At least it's 1-1, not 2-0, because if he struggles in in game two – Golden State is cooked in this series. So for me, that's what I took out of of what Golden State did in Game 2. It's really what they did on the offensive end of the floor.
3: Thank you, Tim. From one Tim to another Tim, I want to welcome in Mr. Tim Bontemps. Obviously, the series is all squared up. We just heard it from Legs. From your vantage point, how do the Celtics respond to such a, Pat Bev's new favorite word, drubbing as they prepare for Game 3 in their building?
8: Well, Malik, I think Tim is correct in that Steph Curry was the difference maker in that game, too, and has been the best player in the series, frankly, through these first two games. But if I'm the Celtics, I'm focused on two things that have frankly been a problem for them the entire playoffs going into game three, and that's turnovers and play in the third quarter. Let's start with turnovers. The Celtics are 12-2, and Malik, in these playoffs when they have 15 or fewer turnovers. They are 1-5 when they have 16 or more. How many yeah. did they have in game one? 12. How many did they have in game two? 18. So, to me, that 15 turnover number, that tells the story just about every game in these finals if the Celtics take care of the ball I think they're going to be fine if they don't they allow Steph to get out in the open court they allow him to hit shots that get Golden State going as we've seen so many times and they're going to be in a lot of trouble and the other thing is that third quarter we've yeah. seen it time and time again in the playoffs the Celtics come out slowly in the third quarter and then they get drilled the Golden State Warriors as you well know have been a historically dominant third quarter team in games one and two the same script played out took a miracle comeback for Boston to win game one they are not going to be able to keep playing that way in the third if they want to win the series that, those to me are the two things going into game three and beyond this team has to clean up if they want to win three more games and win a championship
3: well let's see if they can clean those things up game three on ABC Tim Bontemps thank you so very much NBA Today will be back in just 60 seconds The Quinn Snyder era, it's over in Utah. Snyder is the second winningest coach in franchise history, coaching the Jazz to be the best defense and best offense at different points over his nine-year tenure with the team. One of four coaches in the play-by-play era to do so with one franchise, along with Phil Jackson, Greg Popovich, and Steve Kerr. Snyder, an alternate governor and CEO of the Jazz, Danny Ainge, spoke this morning at a press conference about the change.
6: I guess... First, I'd just like to thank
2: um,
0: Gail and the Nord family for giving me a chance when, you know, there wasn't, I don't know, thank you. There's a a real sense of loss um, and and some sorrow and sadness. Um, I think that's to be expected, given everything that, um, you know, that that took place here and I feel like I tried to give you try to be introspective and analyze and all those things, and I just got back to the same place. It was just—it was time. You know, time for the jazz to move forward. Time to meet for me to move forward. I, I think it's pretty clear. Like we desperately
2: wanted him to stay.
3: We now bring in ESPN senior NBA insider Adrian Wojnarowski, who initially broke the story of Snyder stepping down in Utah. And, and Woj, you also reported that Donovan Mitchell was, quote, unsettled, unnerved, and wondering what it means for the franchise's future. What more can you tell us about Mitchell's mindset moving forward here?
6: Yeah, Malika, Qu- Quint Snyder is all Donovan Mitchell's known in Utah. And I think when uh, Donovan Mitchell signed that five-year extension a couple years ago, you know, I think one of the hallmarks of that jazz organization was stability, continuity. And, uh, you know, ownership had just changed at that time. And, yeah. and since then, Dennis Lindsay has left as the, as the president, GM, and, and now Quinn Snyder. And I think, uh, you know, so much of, uh, I think his comfort level in Utah has certainly been uh, tied to his relationship with Quinn Snyder, his belief in him, certainly one of the elite coaches in the league. And it was a jarring day yesterday. It was a jarring conversation uh, for, for uh, Donovan Mitchell to have when, with Quinn Snyder when he called, told him that he was going to step down as head coach. And I think right now for uh, Donovan Mitchell, he's just trying to figure out what that means for this organization, what that means moving forward. Uh, and certainly, you know, this is uh, – listen, there's a reason Utah tried so hard uh, to keep Quinn Snyder – Uh, in that job. He's one of the best head coaches in the NBA and now they've got to go into the unknown uh, of a coaching search.
3: Woj, we have about 30 seconds left in the show. Before I let you go, one other coaching vacancy out there in the NBA. What can you tell us on the Hornets coaching search?
6: Yeah, two finalists will meet with Michael Jordan this week. Uh, Mike D'Antoni, the former Rockets, uh, most recently the Rockets head coach, and of course Kenny Atkinson, the Golden State assistant, Uh, Atkinson will meet with Michael Jordan on Tuesday, I'm told. Mike D'Antoni later in the week. Charlotte will pick their coach from one of those two.
3: And we will certainly be keeping everybody abreast as we learn more. Woj, thank you so much for joining us here on NBA Today. I have a flight to catch. I'm off to Boston. We will see you all soon. NFL Live is coming up next on ESPN.